hey, would you give the Lord a hand clap of praise for his faithfulness this morning? Appreciate Brother Brian and our praise team for reminding us of God's faithfulness. And that's what we're learning about here on Sunday mornings. We're learning about God's faithfulness and we're learning about how God never leaves us and God never forsakes us. And even when life is tough and even when the night is very dark and even when we find ourselves in the valley, we can be assured that God doesn't forget about His children. He doesn't forsake His children. That's a promise that we have from the Word of God. And we're being reminded of that through the life of Joseph, one who loved the Lord, who served the Lord, who worshipped the Lord, even in the valley, even in Egypt, even when things were tough. And he's an inspiration to us. He's a real, he's a real person with real problems who was following a real God with real solutions. And that's who we are this morning. Amen. We're just, we're just real people, uh, real problems. We all face real problems, real challenges. But we're following a God that we believe has real solutions. And Joseph reminds us that we can hang in there, that we can hold on. That if we refuse to give up, uh, that if we keep trusting God, then we can live to see a breakthrough. We can live to see deliverance. We can live to see God do some beautiful things in our life no matter what we are going through. Perseverance is refusing to give up on something. Uh, Something you want. Something you love. Someone you love. I recently read... Uh, a story, a really, a really inspiring story of modern day perseverance. I love stories of perseverance. They speak to me and, and God uses them to encourage me because I noticed as, as a young child, I noticed a tendency in me that I didn't like. I wasn't proud of, but it was just in me. Uh, I noticed that I just, I, I, I I, I like to give up pretty quick on things when things weren't going my way, whether it was on the playground or backyard playing ball with friends or you name it. I noticed a tendency in myself to want to give up early, to give up way too soon. And so I've always been inspired. When God saved me, uh, he gave me, I believe, an extra, uh, extra dose of perseverance that I've noticed and it's been an encouragement to me in my life. But I've always been inspired by stories of perseverance and other people hanging in there and not giving up on something. There's a modern day story that recently made worldwide news because of perseverance. Uh, A 68-year-old South Korean woman made worldwide news. Her name is Cha Sa Soon. Can everybody say that? Cha Sa Soon. Good job. Cha Sa Soon recently made worldwide news because she finally passed the written test for her driver's license license on her 950th try. Cha Sa Soon lives 130 miles south of Seoul in a place called Jianju. And she began the process in April of 2005. And she finally, after 949 times, on her 950th time, after starting in April of 2005, 
she passed in November of 2009 with a 60%. She took the test several times a week for more than four years, and she spent more than $16,000 in application fees. They say that uh, the, the, the driving portion of the test was not an easy task for her, but it didn't take her quite as many times to pass that. Now she is on the roadways driving. And this morning I want to say a couple of things. Number one, aren't you inspired by her perseverance? And aren't you glad she's not driving in Muhlenberg County? <laughs> uh, perseverance. Somebody who wanted something and went after something and gave it all she had and finally succeeded. Well, Joseph is an example of someone who didn't let negative circumstances ruin his life. He, he didn't go into the cave of self-pity and, and cry about all the difficult times in his life. Though if he did, nobody would blame him. I, I wouldn't tell him to dry up the tears if he did, but it's just that he didn't. He chose to bloom where he was planted. He chose to trust God no matter what he was going through. Uh, plant, plant me in shallow soil and by God's grace I'll still grow. Pl plant me in the thorns. Plant me in the rocks and by God's grace I'll still grow. I'll, I'll still love him. I'll still serve him. I'll still worship him no matter what. Hated by his siblings sold into slavery, falsely accused and sent to prison, but Joseph never gave up. A horrific past, but he believed his future was bright. Amen? Somebody stated it well when they said, we may be partially products of our past, but we do not have to live as slaves to it. Huh? We may be partially products of our past, but we do not have to live as slaves to it. And Joseph was one who kept loving God, kept serving God, kept worshiping God through the valley, through the darkness, and even in Egypt. And we're going to see that he got to see some beautiful things happen in his life. If you have a Bible with you this morning, turn with me to Genesis chapter 41. Genesis chapter 41, we'll begin in verse 1. Just a moment, we're going to read verses 1 through 16. But I do want to catch you up in case you might just be joining us here in this Sunday morning series. As a review of where we've been, Joseph was the favorite child of his father Jacob. Hated by his brothers, Joseph has dreams that picture him in a position of favor. A place over his brothers. He tells them a dream that perhaps he should have kept to himself and just been encouraged by it. But he tells his brothers and his brothers hate him even more. Out of jealousy, they decide they want to kill him and take his life. But they decide instead to just sell him into slavery. And so they do, and Joseph winds up in Egypt as a slave. This is the place where his dreams would eventually come true. Once Joseph arrived in Egypt, he was blessed by God. God was with him. He was promoted from a common slave to the steward of Potiphar's home. Potiphar was the captain of Pharaoh's royal bodyguard. While serving there as steward of Potiphar's home, Potter's wife makes a, a sexual advance upon Joseph. He refuses because he knows that adultery is a sin before a holy God. Potiphar's wife, in anger and humiliation, accuses Joseph of being the one who made an unwanted advance on her, and Joseph is sent to prison. Last Sunday, we looked at how God blessed Joseph even in prison. 
He was promoted to a leadership position alongside the warden. And while he was there, two inmates, the cupbearer, the king's cupbearer, and the king's baker, they both have dreams. Joseph has the gift of interpreting dreams. He interprets these dreams and both uh, come to be. The cupbearer was released and restored in three days, and the baker was executed. As the cupbearer was released, Joseph shared his testimony with him. And knowing that he would have an ear with the king, Joseph said, Hey, remember me. Would you put in a good word with the big guy when you get back working for Pharaoh? The Bible sadly tells us that the cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot about him. But while the cupbearer forgot about Joseph, church, aren't you thankful that God didn't forget about Joseph? And that's where we pick up in chapter 41, verse 1. God's continued hand on Joseph's life. Joseph blooming where he was planning. Continued to allow God's hand to iron out the wrinkles in his life. To smooth out the rough edges in his life. And we're going to continue to look and be inspired by Joseph's character this morning. As someone who bloomed where he was planted and kept loving God and serving God and being a steward of God's gifts even in Egypt. Verse 1. When two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. He was standing by the Nile when out of the river there came up seven cows, sleek and fat, and they grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows, ugly and gaunt, came up out of the Nile and stood beside those on the riverbank. And the cows that were ugly and gaunt ate up the seven sleek, fat cows. Then Pharaoh woke up. He fell asleep again and had a second dream. Seven heads of grain, healthy and good, were growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads of grain sprouted, thin and scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven healthy, full heads. Then Pharaoh woke up. It had been a dream. In the morning, his mind was troubled. So he sent for all the magicians and wise men of Egypt. Pharaoh told told them his dreams, but... No one could interpret them for him. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, Today I am reminded of my shortcomings. Pharaoh was once angry with his servants, and he imprisoned me and the chief baker in the house of the captain of the guard. Each of us had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. Now a young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams, and he interpreted them for us, giving each man the interpretation of his dream. And things turned out exactly as he interpreted them to us. I was restored to my position, and the other man was impaled. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph. He was brought quickly from the dungeon. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, and no one can interpret it for me. But I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh. But God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Somebody in the house say amen. We're going to stop right there this morning. We'll perhaps move a little bit beyond this. But this chapter is one that's going to take us two Sundays to work through. 
The first thing that I want us to notice here in this passage is I want us to notice Joseph's growing humility. What is humility? Humility is a misunderstood word, I think, in our world today. Uh, humility is not thinking poorly of ourselves. Uh, church, we're created in God's image. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we're, we're washed in the blood of the Lamb. Everything you see, uh, our God made. And we're children of the King. And, and I know I'm not junk and you're not junk because I was made, we were made by God. Humility is not thinking poorly of ourselves. Humility is just having a proper assessment of who we are in our relationship with God. It's seeing Him as big, and it's seeing ourselves as little in comparison to Him. It's not thinking too much of ourselves or our abilities, our strength or our position in life. It's willing to say that the good things I have in life come not from me, but they come from above. Amen? That where I'm at in life, God has put me here, and He gets the glory, and He gets the honor. And any gift I have, any advantage that I've got in life, it came from above. And I want to give God glory and credit for it. And I want to use whatever he's given me to see other people come to know the God that I know. That's humility. It's having a proper assessment of who we are. Humility is not a word. You were with us, I think, right? Early in the series, humility was not a word that we would use to describe Joseph as a young man. He was his father's favorite. And, and he relished it. He kind of, as we might say, he, he milked it for all that it was worth. Uh, when he had these dreams of being in a position of privilege over his brothers, he, he seemed to tell that with glee. Humility was not a word that you would have used to describe Joseph as a young man. But as he's trusted the Lord, we see that he is humble and growing in humility. And one of the, the pieces of evidence that I see... That, that, that strongly suggests that, that Joseph is growing in humility is his willingness to ask for help. Um, if, if you will, turn with me. You're in chapter 41. Look at chapter 40. Look at the last part of Genesis chapter 40. Last week we see that after Joseph interprets the cupbearer's dream, look in verse 14 of your Bible. Joseph says, chapter 40 and verse 14, but when all goes well with you, Remember me and show me kindness and mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. Joseph wasn't too proud to ask for help. That's a mark of humility. Something we all struggle with, asking for help. Joseph wasn't too proud to ask someone in a position to help him to do just that, to help him. You ever been in a place that you couldn't get out of alone? You ever been in a bind that you couldn't get out of on your own? Let me ask you a follow-up question. Have you ever been in a bind that you couldn't get out on your own, but you were too proud to ask someone else for help? Perhaps we've all been there. I want to ask you this. What, what would you do? What would you do if you pulled up to an ATM machine. And as you pulled up in that little slot where the receipt comes out, what would you do if you pulled out a slip 
And in handwritten form, it said, help, I'm locked inside of this ATM machine. What would you do, church? How many of you, first of all, might smile because you think you're on candid camera? Let me see your hands, huh? Well, that's exactly what happened in Corpus Christi, Texas, back in 2017. A man pulls up to the ATM machine, and in the slot where the receipt comes out, he gets a note, handwritten note, that says, Please help. I'm stuck in here, and I don't have my phone. Please call my boss. Officer Richard Olden of Corpus Christi Police says it's a true story. He said, although we thought it was made up, the man was a contractor and he was working there uh, in the ATM section of a bank and he was in a small section changing out the lock and while he was there, he got locked into the ATM machine and after hours could not get out and was completely dependent upon someone taking his handwritten note seriously and calling his boss to get him out. They said they sure thought it was a joke until they wound up there and heard a, a faint voice of a man in there saying, Help! Let me out! I'm trapped in here! Pretty traumatic experience, huh, church? In fact, they, they say the man, the article said the man was a mess after this. He didn't want to be around people. He didn't want to leave the home. He didn't want to get out. And they say he went through a severe case of withdrawal. I, that was bad. I, I know. No, I know. No, I, I know. I know. That, that was bad. Uh, that was bad. Um, that, that last part was not true, all right? Uh, but, but, but the story, listen, the story was true. And those of you that didn't get why everybody was laughing, uh, they, they let them explain it to you later, all right? Um, bad joke, <laughs> true story, <laughs> A man who was in a place where he couldn't get himself out and he had to be humbled to ask for help. I want to encourage you this morning, if you're in a place and you need help, don't be too proud to ask. Don't be too proud to ask if you need prayer from a trusted friend. Don't be too proud to ask if you're in a bind and you need some advice from a Christ follower that maybe is, is older and wiser and maybe has been through more challenges than you. Don't be afraid to ask for help in finding peace or help in growing in Christ or help with an addiction or, or help in your marriage. Joseph was not too proud to ask for help. I also notice another mark of his humility quickly here. Also notice how he gives God the glory for this gift to interpret dreams. Look with me if you would. I love this, this, this passage here, verses 14 through 16. Look, if, look with me if you would in verses 14 through 16. I, I, I love Joseph's humility in a place where he could be, once again, he could be prideful. Uh, dreams were very significant in Egypt, in, in, in the Near East. Uh, dreams were significant. It was thought that if you had a dream a second time, it was especially significant. and You'd want to pay attention to it. The fact that Joseph has a gift to interpret dreams 
made him special. And he might have been tempted in this place where Pharaoh calls on him to interpret the dream. He might have been tempted to make it all about him. He might have been tempted to put himself on a pedestal and say, Yes, I, I have the gift. You need me. You, you need me on your team. You, you want to keep me close to you because I'm special. I, I got a gift to do something nobody else can do. Joseph might have stepped in and really made this all about him. But church, he doesn't because he's trusting the Lord. He's growing in, in the Lord and, and God's grooming him and he's blooming where he's planted. And so when Pharaoh says in, in verse 14 that Joseph had a dream, no one can interpret it, but heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. I just love verse 16. I love it. I, I'm, I'm just going to throw a fit this morning, all right? All, all in front of you. I'm just gonna, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to jump up and down over this or something. I don't know. I love verse 16. I cannot do it. I, I cannot do it. I love the, the humility just oozing from that verse. I cannot do it. But God. Somebody say, but God. I can't do it. But God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Church, don't you love that? Build your life on that, my friend. I can't do it, but God can do it through me. I, I, can't, I can't fight and win this addiction in my life, but God can do it through me. I, I can't fix, listen, you're saying this, we're saying this. I can't fix the problems in my life, but God can through me. I can't fix the problems in my marriage, but God can through me. I can't fix the emptiness or loneliness in my life, but God can through me. We, we, can't, we can't reach this county, this community for Christ, but God can through us. A pastor can't get a church to get sold out for Jesus and put God number one, but God can do it through me. I cannot do it, but God can. Amen, church? What a great statement of faith that Joseph gives us. I can't do it. But God can. And then he uses this gift. And we'll get into this more, we'll get into this more next week on, on Joseph's interpretation of this dream. But what we find out is, is that the dream Pharaoh has, and again, we'll look at this in more detail next week. The dream that Pharaoh has, um, we won't read all the verses, but if you'll look with me uh, in, in the Word of God, your copy of the Word of God, we see that verse 25 in verses 25 up through, uh, all the way up through verse 39 into 40, uh, 41, uh, we see that Joseph gives the interpretation. And the interpretation is that seven good years are coming. But following the seven good years, uh, we're going to have seven horrible years. Seven years of famine. And, and so we're getting revelation from God on this. God's telling us something bad's going to happen, and he's trying to prepare us and get us ready for it. And so Joseph gives him, hey, here, here's the plan. Here's what we ought to do. If we're going to get ready for these seven years of famine, here's the plan. Here's we've gotta, how we've got to go about it. And it all happened because Joseph had a gift to interpret dreams, and he was using that gift and exercising that gift for God's glory. Church, you have a gift. 
I have a gift. The Bible says that we're gifted people. In fact, the Bible tells us, and this is a verse of scripture I think we have on the screen, in the book of 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4, if we can get that up on the screen. 1 Peter chapter 4 reminds us that each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. Faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. So that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen. You have a gift. Uh, Probably not many, if any of us, have the gift of interpreting dreams. In fact, we're going to look a little bit more next week into what do we make of dreams today? And I certainly think there's a big difference in the day Joseph lived in and the day that we live in. And we'll look at that. My friends, uh, we have something that Joseph did not have when God was speaking through dreams. We have the completed word of God. Can somebody say amen? And I think for the most part, when God speaks to us, he's going to speak through his word. And God will never speak through a dream or how we feel and contradict his word on anything. And so we have God's word, right? And God's word tells us that we all have a gift. We have time. We have natural abilities. Uh, we have resources, right? Uh, we, we, we have, we have uh, spiritual gifts. The Bible says we have spiritual gifts. We have experiences. We have experiences in life. Like Joseph, God's given us gifts. And like Joseph, God wants us using our gifts for the glory of God. And church, even a bad experience, even listen to me, even a bad experience in your life, if you take that bad experience and you place that in the hands of a living God, He can use it for His glory and He can use it to touch other people's lives. You may encourage someone who's had a similar bad experience in their life through your story to say, hey, God got me through it. Maybe it's something you did you shouldn't have done or I did that I shouldn't have done. And and I put myself in a world of hurt, but God got me out of that. And I grew and I learned through that. I'm a better person for it. Even negative experiences can be used by God when we put them in his hands and say, God, use this for your glory. We all have gifts that God wants us to use. There's a great example of how negative experiences can be channeled for good. It's through the life of Muhammad Ali. Raise your hands if you've heard the name Muhammad Ali before, huh? Uh, Muhammad Ali as a kid, right? How, How can bad experiences be turned out for good? Muhammad Ali, when he was a kid, had his bike stolen by some kid around the neighborhood. Well, Muhammad Ali was so upset by that, that that's why he started taking boxing classes. (laughs) He says if he ever met that kid, he wanted to be ready. And that's why Muhammad Ali went and took boxing classes. In fact, he got pretty good at it, didn't he, church? And he said one of the things that drove him when he got in that boxing ring, he never... Poor child, not many resources, got his bike stolen. But he said every time he got in that ring, he pretended that that man was the kid who stole his bike. (laughs) It worked out pretty well for him, didn't it? Uh, The passion and the fuel from a negative experience was channeled in the right direction. And it turned out for good. Church, don't 
give up in your valley. Don't give up in your dark night. Don't give up when things don't look well. Because Jesus came from heaven to earth, and because Jesus laid down his life for our sins, and because the tomb is empty, and because Jesus lives, and because Jesus is right here right now, because God will never leave and never forsake his people, and he will not forget us because of these things, it is always too soon to give up. God's on the throne. It is always too soon to give up. You know what always breaks my heart? Always breaks my heart. Story of Judas in the Bible breaks my heart. Judas, Judas is one who gave up on Jesus. Gave up on Jesus being the Messiah, the one who was to come and be Redeemer. He gave up. We know his story. He took his own life. He betrayed Jesus. Until it breaks my heart and, 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 and either can, can bring me to tears or almost every time I dwell on it is this. If Judas would have waited just a little bit longer, he would have got to see the tomb empty. I, I, mean, I mean, he betrays the Lord on, on Friday, Jesus is, or, or on Thursday going into Friday, okay? He takes his life. What Jesus rose on the what? On the, thir- on the third day, right? So, so we're, we're talking about down into hours, not weeks or not months or not years. We're talking about hours. If Judas just, just would have just said, I, I'm not, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to wait and see. God, I trust in you. He could have seen the tomb empty. And he could have seen Jesus alive. And church, I love you with all of my heart. Brothers and sisters, I love you with all of my heart. Sir, ma'am, going through a tough time. God's speaking to you. Don't give up. It's always too early to give up. Wait, wait, hold on. And you'll get to see your deliverance. You'll get to see your breakthrough. You'll get to see God do something beautiful in your life. But don't give up. Joseph's an example of how, and again, we're going to see, we'll close, one verse and we'll close, verse 41. Joseph interprets the dream again. We'll, we'll go into more of the details next week, but Joseph interprets the dream in verse 41. We'll close. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. And this is, just, this is his big promotion. And this, this is his big moment. And this is when... He, he's put in this second most powerful position in all of the land. And the famine's coming and it's going to affect even his, his parents. It's going to affect his brothers. And his brothers are going to have to come to him. And they're going to have to humble themselves. They're going to have to bow down to Joseph. And probably all of them thought he was dead by now. But Joseph's dream is going to come true. And God's going to take a mess. And he's going to create a masterpiece out of it. Our God's in the business of taking messes. And making masterpieces out of them. Great illustration of how a mess can be redeemed is, but when it's placed in God's hands, shared in a, a book called Decision by Ruth Bell Graham. She shares how uh, stories told about some fishermen that gathered in the highlands of Scotland 
in a little inn there for some tea and to swap stories. And as one of them was describing the day's exploits, a waiter set down a cup of tea and the man's hand flew up and hit the teacup and knocked all the tea against the whitewashed wall and an ugly brown stain appeared marring the beautiful wall. One of the other guests rose to his feet and said, Ah, never mind. And taking from his pocket a pencil, he began to sketch around the stain and there emerged a magnificent royal moose with antlers spread. The man was Sir Edwin Landseer, one of England's foremost artists at the time. Now if an artist can do that, an earthly artist can do that, with an ugly stain. My friend, what can God do with those ugly, messy situations in our life if we'll just put them in His hands? Our God's a God who can make a masterpiece out of a mess. By the way, the crowning pinnacle of God being able to create a masterpiece out of, the me- out of a mess is what looked like a mess on Friday what looked like a mess when Jesus was being crucified. What we would find out was not a mess. It was the most beautiful thing that's ever happened. God died for our sins. And the tomb was left empty and He rose again. And today He wants to be your Lord and your Savior to forgive you of your sins and take a mess and make a masterpiece out of it. Let's pray. Lord, thank You that You you indeed do make masterpieces out of messes. And Lord, all of us have messed up. We know that we've all sinned and we fall short of your glory. But God, you still love us. God, you still have a plan for our life. God, no matter where we find ourselves, we can trust that you love us. You've not left us. You've not forsaken us. God, I pray you'd speak that strong into somebody's life here today who maybe showed up and were ready to give up. They, they've kind of been, Lord, in that, like that, that two-year period where, where Joseph is thinking the cupbearer is going to immediately go and, and, and tell the story and he's going to get out. Maybe it's two hours or two days. He certainly wasn't expecting two more years in prison, God. Maybe that's where they're at. But God, I pray you'd speak life and speak hope into their hearts this morning. Lord, if there be one here lost this morning, never been saved, never given their life to you, God, move upon their heart. May they know that something's missing and that something is a a person, a someone. It's Jesus. Lord, save souls. Thank you, God, that you deliver us from your wrath and from hell and you deliver us to heaven. And what what a great day of promotion is coming for your children, Lord, in the place we call heaven. I don't want anybody to miss it. So may everybody love and trust and follow and serve you. Bless this invitation time now, we pray. Lord, for your glory and have your own way. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen.